Hello and welcome to the podcast from Holy Trinity Westerhales. We're delighted that you've joined us for this week's podcast and pray that you will be blessed through it. Lord, as we've offered the praise of our hearts, we come humbling ourselves before you and pray that it will be acceptable to you because it's all, we sell, it's all that we can bring. And we pray that as we offer our praise, you would speak to us and that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. We've been looking over the past few weeks um, at the, the heroes of the faith. And I thought this morning we're looking at maybe some lesser known heroes because we've heard of the big, the big guys. But there will be other people in this hall of faith. Just like I can look at the Hollywood Boulevard or whatever it is and there's the stones in the pavement and I'm thinking, who's that? They were famous for something because they're there. But I haven't a clue. So we're going to look at a few of those this morning, the ones that are in the Bible and then hopefully moving forward. And I'm just going to read the list of the big names we've spoken about so far. We've got Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Esau, Joseph, Moses, and Rahab. I felt quite proud of myself because I could say, yes, heard of them, heard of them, know who they are. But all of them had a story to tell. All of them showed that it's possible to be a faithful servant of God and have rocky times. Some of them were very disobedient at times and did the opposite of what God asked them to. Others had really shaky false starts in trusting God and it took a little bit to get where they were. But they all ended up in God's favour. They all ended up being used by him. And there were a variety of endings to their stories, some positive, some less so. But as I say, today's passage, thank you so much for reading to us, Lorna, um, talks about some of the lesser known. Some of them might be familiar, but others maybe not. So let's just have a wee look through these characters that get named. We start off with Gideon. If you want to read about him, head into the book of Judges and you'll find his story. He was described as the least likely leader. He was a very insignificant family from a very insignificant tribe. And when God called him, he said, me? Are you sure, God? It's always a bit risky saying that to God because he'll show you one way or another. So one thing I remember about Gideon is that he laid down fleeces. He was a shepherd. Put a dry fleece on the dry ground. It was wet overnight. The ground all around was soaking. The fleece was dry. Convincing God was in this. No, he wasn't so sure. Are you really sure, God? Let's do it the other way around. And he did. And he accepted that God would, was calling him. So he raised a great army. I think there were 10,000 or something. I can't remember the facts. And God knew people very well. And if you were called to go to be an arm, in an army, I think your reaction might be like mine. <laughs> Scared witless. It's bad enough hearing rumours of wars without having to face a real one. And God said... Gideon, tell those who are afraid, those who are worried about their families, to go home. They're still left with a reasonable size army. Take them down to the stream and let them drink. Most of them lay down and had a good drink. 
300 cupped up the water. And God said, they're the 300 you take into battle against this mighty mob. Gideon was reassured in a dream that they would triumph. And it seemed hopeless, but they went with torches hidden in jars and then split up into groups. And at God's signal, broke the jars. The place was ablaze with light. The army, the opposing army, just fought amongst each other and ran. And they were triumphant. We might remember Gideon, if you've been in a hotel, that you get a Bible in a drawer with a little picture of a jar on the outside, a Gideon Bible, because they're taking the light in to the whole world. It was used to keep peace in Israel for 40 years. And if you read the passage in Judges, he got in a bit of a mess at the end. A hero of the faith, sorted out with God, is this really you or not? Do we have times when we want to test God to see if it's right? It's acceptable to do that, because we're told Gideon did it. So we can do it. Then we move on to the next character named. And when I read Barack, I thought, the only Barack I know is Obama. <laughs> and I, some, I mean, he's getting old a bit, but he's definitely not Old Testament old. So uh, got, out the, got out Dr. Google, who was Barack in the Bible. It's a great way if you're stuck. Don't think you don't know things. Just Google them. It gives you a starting point. Then go to the scripture and read what it says. So Barak was called forward by a woman. Now, in those days, that was unheard of. But Deborah was the prophetess, one of the, hero, the heroines of the Bible. And she said, Barak, be my battle leader and take a, yet another fight against another lot. But men, it's okay to be weak because he insisted that Deborah came because Deborah was the one called by God. Deborah, you need to come with me. She said, that's fine, but then the credit goes to the women, not the men. Really, against all the cultural issues of the time. He was meek and he was humble. He didn't think that he could be a war leader. And he gave all the glory to God. When we're called to do something that we don't think we're capable of, what an example. We give it to God. Samson we might have heard about. Interestingly, somebody said to me, I thought that was somebody in a film. Had never read the story in the Bible. Somebody who's not used to the Old Testament in the Bible. But we do know from the, the, the Hollywood versions of, of it, his birth was promised by God, and his dedication, his family dedicating him to God was that he wouldn't cut his hair. And he had immense strength, and he defeated enemies, he killed wild animals with his bare hands, and he came up with one of the best advertising slogans ever, out of the strong came forth sweetness. For those of you of my era, syrup came in a tin, and on the tin was a picture of a lion, and a picture of the bees, and the honey, out of the strong came forth sweetness. So we went down in history in that way. But people were very jealous of his strength. They were getting beaten up all over the place. And they decided to try to trick him. And he withstood the trickery. And he spoke riddles. And he gave all sorts of other ideas. But finally, he gave in and said to somebody who he thought loved him, this is the truth. She turned on him and went and got the other people, and they cut his hair. 
and he was weak as a baby. Despite this knowledge of the presence of God with him, he could give in to pressure, he could give in to emotions. And he was mocked, and he was humiliated. They put his eyes out and locked him up. But as happens, we can see all too well at times, hair grows again, and his hair grew. And nobody realized that God hadn't left him, even though God's blessing seemed to have been taken away for a while. And he was brought in to be mocked. <laughs> so much for your God. All it needed was a haircut and you were useless. What sort of a God is that? We're much better than that. And they taunted him and they mistreated him. And he said, just let me feel the, side, the pillars where I'm standing. Let me feel safe. And he prayed to God, God, destroy these people. And his strength returned and he pushed the pillars of the building out. And down it came, and they were killed. God can do things in ways that we can't. Then we have another character, Jephthah, in Judges 10, and 12, 10 to 12. Another person that I hadn't heard of, didn't think I'd heard of him, but I had heard something about his daughter. He didn't have a promising start. He was the son of a prostitute, and when other people in the family came along, he was rejected by them. He didn't really belong to the family, and it was made very clear, you're not one of us. And he became what was, is described as the leader of a gang of scoundrels. You know, the lad he pushed out the home got into mischief, basically. He got up to what we wouldn't really want to know about. And out of that context, God called him to lead Israel. Maybe because of his background, I don't know. We'd love to be able to ask him. He bargained with God. If you make us victorious, God, I will sacrifice the first thing that comes out of my door. I really think he was hoping it would be his dog. But when he went home, victorious, his daughter came out of the house to meet her dad, his only child. But because he made a vow to God... And he explained it to her. She says, well, that's what you have to do. What a horrible, horrible thing to have to do. But he did it faithfully. And he resolved a lot of internal conflict in Israel and brought peace to the land through his own pain. Where we start off, where we end up, what we have to do can be very, very difficult. But knowing God's blessing is what we need. Then we come on to a couple of people that we do know. We know David. Now... How many hours have we got if we want to start looking at King David? He was the youngest son of Jesse. He was the, the wheelardy. The brothers were all away fighting and doing all sorts of big manly things. And he had to take them their peace. Because he'd been anointed by Samuel when he was a wee boy. And we know the stories of how he fought Goliath, the giant. We know how he defeated the whole of the Philistines. Uh, we know that King Saul, the king at the time, was very jealous but eventually, after lots of ins and outs that you can read in, in a, two or three books in the Bible, never mind chapters, he gets lots of it, he inherited the crown. He was a great leader. He was a great musician. He was a great poet. He was an inspirational person. 
But at the same, same time, he was a great sinner. He tricked people into giving up ground. He had people killed so that he could marry their wives. Pretty nasty character in many times. But he was chosen of God. And he then started the succession down to Jesus. Despite his ups and downs, despite the not looking the obvious one to start with, he ended up. And if God can forgive David what he got up to and still use him, he can do the same for me and he can do the same for you. And then we have Samuel. Before his birth, he was dedicated to God. The story of his mom being at the temple, wailing because she was childless and promising that she would give her child to God, was honoured by God. And he served in the temple. And remember the story of him going through to Eli and saying, what do you want? Because he'd heard a voice calling him several times. And Eli, although his sons were useless and he was worrying what would happen about the, the priesthood, he understood that Samuel was the one. And he said, Samuel, you just say, yes, God, I'm listening. He was a high priest. He was a prophet. He was obedient to God. He anointed David. And we're told that he led a spotless life. It's nice to hear one of these heroes who was good, because otherwise they're a pretty mixed bunch. And it must have broken his heart when his sons weren't good. And you can read all about it. And they're the people that would get named in this hall of fame in the passage today. So what do they have in common? Well, in verse 33, we hear, through faith, they conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. Despite all their disparate backgrounds, different paths through life, different demands placed on them, they received the promise of the presence of God with them and the certainty of when they were obedient, they'd be blessed. All of them had the privilege of seeing his power at work, whether it was in ruling, whether it was bringing peace, whether it was being a judge, whether it's discerning what is the right time to do things, whether it was in their ability to lead. And there's many, many more. As we read in verse 34, what were their circumstances? They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength and they became powerful in battle and rooted foreign armies. And much more besides. Somebody sort of said to me, a while ago, what's the point of the Old Testament? Well, we could argue that for, for many, many sermons. But I would say one of the points of it is that it's a darn good read. It's a ripping yarn, if nothing else. And I'd really encourage you, if you haven't looked at the Old Testament for a while, to just start with these, the, you know, the, the judges, the kings, the chronicles, what they got up to and how God was moving despite all their oddities. And that's just a very limited selection that have been listed by the author of Hebrews as being in this hall of faith. The rest of them, they're not so famous. Not all their stories are given much detail. But another thing in common, there's very few of them from the mainstream successful part of life. Let's just have a wee read of verse 35 to 38 and hear about some of the rest of them. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. 
There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they may gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and ill-treated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. What a mixed up bunch. But what stories underlie that? And then we read in verse 39. These were all commended for their faith. All of them, no matter what experiences they'd been through, God had had his hand on their lives and they were faithful to whatever he put them to. Yet, none of them received what had been promised. All that, and then you don't get the promise. I mean, what had they been promised? Why were they faithful despite their frailty and weakness? What was it that binds this wonderful range of people, the big names, the little names, the anonymous ones, the common factor is they were used by God to show the Israelites God's chosen people and the rest of the world that he is God Almighty. As a result of their faith, a result of their obedience, God's name was known. God was exalted. Not the individuals, but God. A mighty God, powerful, to be worshipped, to be feared, to be obeyed. And why? So that the people that he had chosen could know him. They could have a relationship with this God. That as we sung, what can we do but come and open up with our arms open and sing hallelujah, praise your name. But for them, that wasn't achievable, no matter how hard they try. And it isn't achievable for us, no matter how hard we try how many sacrifices were made, how faithful and obedient we try to be. Sin always comes in and spoils things. These heroes of the faith could go so far in knowing God and his touch on their lives, but they couldn't have the reward of knowing full relationship with God because the Messiah, the one who would save people from their sins, hadn't yet come. And we're told in verse 40, they didn't, they didn't receive it because God had planned something better for us, us living after Christ, so that only together with us could they be made perfect. Their faith will be honoured, but they're having to wait. We have that promise now because Christ has come. God had planned something better for us so that to get only together with us they would be made perfect. What was that promise? What was that promise for us as much as for them? Well, to put it shortly, the message of the, the preceding 10 chapters, Jesus, that was the promise that they didn't have, that we did. No matter what our faith walk, no matter our fame or our notoriety, no, ma no matter our place in history or our obscurity, God has the same plan for all who turn to him. 
a restored relationship with him, that promise of the past is gone, that new life for all eternity. And we get it wrong time and again. And we make our mistakes and we do argue with God and we do doubt him and we do turn our back and try it our own way. As soon as we turn to him, Christ on the, cr on the cross opened his arms for all who come to him. And he rose again and sent the spirit to heal, to restore and move us forward. So these people from the Old Testament, the ones we know, the ones we don't, even the people that we read about in the rest of the Bible, that's fine. But what about now? And I just want to introduce you to a few more recent-ish heroes, my heroes of the faith. I was down on holiday last year, and we'd taken some old books down to the caravan, thinking God might use these to somebody who comes in to visit might read them. And I picked up God Smuggler by Brother Andrew, a man who did not have a good start in life, a man who was a terrible mess, and he found a relationship with God, and all the times he spent doing horrific things as a soldier, and I don't want to go into all that now, he felt God just washing it all away and giving him a call to go and serve the persecuted church in Russia. And he smuggled Bibles at great risk to himself and at great risk to people who were imprisoned. They were flogged. They were all these things that were told happened to some of these other prophets. People who were in fear of every second of their life. People who couldn't trust members of their family not to hand them over to the authorities. And this gentleman went and faithfully served them. And it's an inspiring story from not that recently now, but worth reading. Another hero that always sticks in my mind, I'm sure you're generational thing, was Corrie ten Boom, who hid Jews from the Nazis. Great personal risk, as you can imagine, ended up being betrayed and in the concentration camp, where she continued to, sell, to share the good news of God's love. No matter what you would do, what you'd done in the past, you can have a new start with Christ. And after she was released, she met up with a couple of the guards who'd been in the camp and had been particularly awful to her sister and publicly forgave them. I don't know that I'd be able to do that, but with God's strength, we can do things that we don't imagine. More recent one that I think probably, well, hopefully my husband will remember hearing about is a gentleman called John Groom. I mentioned him to you the other day as well, Andy. He was a silver engraver and an evangelical preacher in London and a long, long while ago now. And he founded orphanages and homes for disabled children in London in the 1880s. When if you were not able, you had nothing. When we look at poverty in Scotland today, on our doorstep here, it's luxury compared to the East End of London in the Victorian era. I'm privileged to have had grandparents who to me were also heroes of the faith because they worked with John Groom, feeding the hungry, rescuing children from awful situations. And that work of John Groom's still goes on today, supporting people who in my mom's era were victims of polio and were left disabled, but people who need help. A little known, hardly known hero and another one, a woman called Rosemary, my Sunday school teacher, a missionary worker in the Far East, stepmom to a schoolmate of mine, 
second wife to his dad, Don, mother to two children, who cared for people just... God radiated out of her. Now, just one of these people that you just say, what a wonderful woman. And even as she was dying of cancer, one of the nurses that was treating her became a Christian because of her example. That's my list. And I'm sure you've all got a list of your own. You can think of people who have been your heroes of faith. The people who have made your faith what it is now, through their example, from various backgrounds, various walks of life, doing a whole range of things, but all faithful, all giving the glory to God, all who've received that promise of eternal life with Christ. So I'd invite you to spend a few minutes giving thanks to God for the biblical heroes, these witnesses, and also to your own heroes of faith. And to ask God in that time, how can my faith become what it should be? What is God challenging me about that he wants me to do in faith? Or he wants me to stop doing because it's getting in the way of my faith, my walk with him. Not that I become a better person, not that we become a better congregation, but then all of it, we can stand before our God and say, hallelujah. So let's just spend a bit of time in quiet. Lord, we give you thanks for the heroes of faith mentioned in the Bible. The ones we can connect with because of different things in their backgrounds. The ones we can just admire from a distance. And prompting us this morning, some lesson to learn from a name that you bring to our mind. And Lord, we thank you for faithful servants of yours down through the ages. The people that have passed that message of your love for us, of your offering of forgiveness, of restoration, of right relationship with you, of new life, of your presence with us through the Holy Spirit until you come again and we are with you forever. thank you for people who have been faithful servants in this building for 50 years. Lord, we thank you for our personal heroes, the people in our, our lives who have meant so much to us,
because of their example and witness to you. For people who have loved us, even when we've not been very lovable. For people whose door has always been open to us, even when we felt completely lost. For people who've just always been there, quietly working away in the background, maybe never even speaking of their faith, but living it out in their lives. And Lord, we pray for, pray for ourselves. We pray for strengthening of our faith, whether it's faith that we've had for many years or whether it's a new faith springing up in us just recently. Whether we are sure and certain of where we stand or if we have our doubts and questions. Whether we feel we have the courage to speak out or we just don't even know where to start asking the questions. Whether we know where you want us to serve you, where you want us to witness to your love, or we're standing and feeling as if we're on an open door. Where do I go? Where is this path taking me? Lord, we thank you that you're with us every step of the way. As we turn to you, you're there. You never turn your back on us, no matter what we do, because you are love, and that love is eternal. And thank you for the amazing promise that you hear our prayers, that you wipe the slate skates clean and you are with us through the Holy Spirit. Accept these prayers because we bring them in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs>